we have been talking with you uh, the last several weeks about um, the lost in the world, that we need to be aware of people that are lost and how God calls the people of the world or us sheep. And so we've been talking about how sheep uh, need a shepherd the last couple of weeks. And we mentioned a few different psalms and different uh, scriptures. The mm -hmm. one that I particularly like from last week was, it's God who made us. Psalm 100. Yeah. You know, we are his people. We are the, the sheep, sheep of his, his pasture. pasture. Yes. And John 10, 11 says, Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd laid his life down for the sheep. Yes. And so we're going to talk a little bit more today about sheep. We're going to take it from a little bit of a different angle. Let's just pray before we begin. Father, we thank you for um, your presence here. Holy Spirit, through your spirit, we thank you that you're moving in us and you're moving among us. Yes. And so we open up our heart, Lord, to hear from you this morning. You are the good shepherd. Jesus, we are glad and safe as a sheep in your pasture. <laughs> and so lead us this morning yes. by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lead us and teach us to understand who you are and walk in a way that's more pleasing to you. And we just say that we love you. Yes, in we Jesus' do. name, amen. Amen. So yes. just a little bit of review in case you haven't um, been here or, or heard any of the messages. The first one we did a couple of weeks ago, we used this um, photo. We said how uh, it was the parable of the so, or I'm sorry, the parable of the lost sheep, where the shepherd who had a hundred in his flock, one wandered away, and how that he cared about the one. He valued the one, and yes. so he went after the one. And uh, when he found him, he threw him over his shoulders. We don't see it that way, but Scripture says. That's a great says, picture. Oh, my yeah, gosh. That he put that lamb over his shoulders, and he went back to his town and rejoiced. He said, come, neighbors and my friends, and rejoice with me because my lost sheep has been found. And the point of the parable is to help us understand the tender love yes. that God the Father has for us. That he actually went searching for us. You know, we tend to think we found the <laughs> Lord or when we got saved. But the truth of the matter is, long before the foundation of the earth, he had us in mind. Yes. And so he was searching after us. Come on. And uh, then we showed you a picture last week of three big sheep, Shrek, Chris, and Sheila. <laughs> that happens to be Shrek, according to the, to the internet. And that is when Shrek was sheared. Took 28 minutes only to shear him. He ran away for five. But he ran away for five, yeah. The story about Shrek was he was found in 2004 after six years having wandered from his flock in New Zealand. And he hid in caves. And, you know, he was alone, you can imagine. Fearful, stubborn, afraid of people even. Yeah. Uh, when they found him, they said, you know, he weighed about, he had about 60 pounds of excess wool on him. Uh, but when he was, you can see it took 28 minutes after he came back, so to speak, to his shepherd, <laughs> what he looked like. But much of that wool on him was filled with dirt, parasites, yeah. and even infection. And he would have been destroyed, and he would have died if he hadn't been eventually found. But all it took was returning home to his shepherd. And this is what happens to us. This is what we likened it to. Like when we're out in the world, you get burdened from the weight of sin yeah. and shame. Attaches to you, weighs you down. But when we come back to our shepherd, who's the guardian of our soul, Hallelujah. he has a way of shearing those things <laughs> off so that we feel clean. Amen. Uh, so, and so even challenging you, as we've talked about sheep, shepherds, and lost people, uh, who do you know who's wandering far from the, a flock of God? Maybe was once in church, now has not been in church for years, or who do you know who's lost, who doesn't know the love of a shepherd? And we've been challenging you to yeah. think of one person, let the Holy Spirit put one person on your heart and pray for that person. Begin to pray that their heart would be softened and open to an opportunity for you to just share your testimony somehow, some little way with them and invite them to church. Because 
God desires none to perish, Scripture Amen. says. Amen, right. But all to come to repentance and everlasting life. And so think about it. How, how has Jesus changed your life? Somehow, some way, he has. Amen. Would you say? <laughs> you have something to share. There's somebody in your sphere of influence who needs to hear your testimony, who needs to hear something of how God has changed your life. Yep. Hallelujah. And why is this so important that we talk about this? Why is it important that we invite somebody to church, share our faith, reach out to the lost? Mm -hmm. That's what we want to explore today with you. We want to take a look at why, because the reality of what is at stake for a lost person, yes. it's a subject that few people want to dwell on, and it's the subject of hell. And so we titled this message, Hell, Is It Real? Wow, look at that picture. Yeah, is it real? The question is, does a person really love me? If they see me headed toward a cliff uh, or a catastrophe of some sort and then neglects to warn me? If the bridge is out and somebody puts a sign up saying, bridge closed, bridge out, warning, is that negative? Is it a negative thing? Huh? Of course not. But hell is at stake. And this is real. Hell is at stake. I, and again, it, it, Pastor May, it's not a popular subject. It really isn't. But when our eyes get open to the truth of it, it will make a difference in how we treat somebody, and especially those that are in our sphere of influence that we know are lost or wandered away from God. Because this is a real deal. I hope it motivates our hearts. And we, get, we tear off the fear of man, and we start to really get serious about sharing our faith. You do have a testimony. Even if you've been in church all your life, and you were born again at a young age, and you didn't wander out like everybody else. Well, like me. I don't know about you, but I was a... But anyhow... Do you know what the testimony of that is? The keeping power of the good shepherd. It's real. It's real. We, we talked last week about some characteristics of, of sheep, and we talked about the mass mind mentality, or what I, the herd mentality. I think people know about that a little bit. And the herd mentality today is everybody goes to heaven. Now everybody, you know, you make up your own truth now. <laughs> and most people like to think that, well, if God is love and I'm a good person, I'm going to heaven. That's a herd mentality all over the place. According to your judgment yeah. of good. <laughs> of course, you judge yourself on your goodness. You know, it's your own evaluation that you take. <laughs> which is far below the requirement of a holy God. You know, you think all roads lead to the same place. Every, you know, all religions are the same. You know, it's always the same God. And if I'm good, I'm actually going to make it. You know, you make up your own God. When you go outside of this book, even Christians make up their own God. And that's called idol worship. All roads lead to the same place as universalism, and that's a lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. <laughs> I, I, I read obituaries. I, I look in there. And so many of them, you know, and rightfully so, write down the accomplishments of a person's life and their kind acts that they've done. And the, I guess the mantra or what you hear, see most is that there's really no connection with them in a church or no, no real 
commitment to Christ. There are some that say, into his loving hands, I come to my Savior, Jesus Christ, etc. But most of them just say something like this. Well, we have to say goodbye for now, but we'll see you in heaven. But is that person in heaven? Well, see, this is a serious thing. And we have to take it as serious. The herd mentality is the belief that everyone is going to heaven. Everyone. And it's interesting that even when you ask Christians, they've done, they've done research asking Christians, many who profess to be a Christian struggle with the concept and the belief of hell. Right. It's much easier to believe in heaven because it's much more pleasant to think about, isn't <laughs> Amen. it? Amen. Let's talk about heaven all the time. Nobody wants to be thinking about hell and the way the Bible describes it, a place of everlasting torment, suffering. And this is why I believe everybody just wants to believe they're going to heaven. It's just easier. And it's just easier just not to talk about it. Let's just hope for, hope for the best. But we don't really want to do that when we're dealing with our, hum our life, do yes, we? Amen. I mean, we, we do a lot of research and study and investment in things in our life, education and money and uh, stocks, things like that. But what about our life, where we go when we take our last breath? We should know. Amen. <laughs> This, this we should know. But it's hard, I think, even in the church to talk about it. You know, there, there, uh, there was a story that, about an old-time country pastor who said he had a farmer in his church and, and said he didn't like the sermons that he preached on hell. The farmer said, why don't you preach about the meek and lowly Jesus more? <laughs> and the pastor said, that's where I got my information about hell, <laughs> from the meek and lowly Jesus. <laughs> Because this is what we're going to show a little bit of today. Yep. I mean, hell is not an easy concept to accept, especially when you consider everlasting, right? No escape. No way to pray your way out. Even a seasoned Christian like um, C.S. Lewis, I'm mm -hmm. quoting him here, he said, there is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than this if it lay in my power. But the reality of hell has the full support of Scripture. Mm. And so we know that Jesus was and is, you know, the greatest expression of love Amen. the world has ever known. Yet we can't overlook, we cannot overlook the fact that Jesus said more about hell than any other person in the Bible. That's kind of startling when you think about it. Yeah. He often brought up the fate of those who reject the gospel. And if you study his words, I mean, you, you're going to hear several warnings that come right from his lips. Yes. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Jesus told this really gripping story about a rich man who died. And it's funny because he died and was buried. And then there was a poor beggar named Lazarus who was actually at his gate. So they knew each other. The rich man walked past Lazarus and apparently didn't help him do anything. But it says when Lazarus passed, it says the angels took him. There's a difference in that parable. This isn't a parable. This is no, a true yeah, story. The rich man died and was buried. That sounds bad, doesn't it? I like the other part. And so everybody likes the other part. But Jesus, this is Jesus warning his sheep. Listen to what it says here. Now let's pick it up in verse 23. Just 23. And this is uh, the rich man. And being in torment in Hades... He lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. 
for I am tormented in these flames. Abraham goes on and says it's impossible for that to happen because there is a great chasm between Abraham's bosom and hell. He cries, send Lazarus then to my father's house. Look at verse 28. And I'll tell you right now, every single person in hell is crying out this same thing. They want more people to be evangelized than the church does. We don't want that to happen here, amen? We want to be about the Father's business. We want to work while the day is still day. Because night is coming, Jesus says, when no man can do their work. So now we want to be laborers in his harvest. He didn't want his brothers to end up like him, eternally separated from God. He's tormented in the flames. Look at verse 28. I have five brothers. I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. It's torment. These are stern words coming out of Jesus' mouth. It's a warning for his sheep. It's a warning for everyone. Once again, we want your eyes to be open to understand the severity and the condition of people you and I know that are lost and where they are going to go if we don't do something about it. Just turn over to Matthew chapter 11. And we want, I want to look at verse 23 and 24. Jesus' Jesus's ministry was based out of Capernaum. It's a small town right by uh, the lake. And what was happening is that there was great miracles that Jesus was performing in the town. People would come to the town, and these people who ran the, the city saw and knew all of what Jesus was doing. Look what he says. He says, oh, Matthew 11, 23. Yeah, 23 and 24. It says, you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? And Jesus is speaking here. You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you would have been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. I tell you that it will be more tolerable, more tolerable, on the day of judgment in the land of Sodom than for you. So right here we understand and we see that there are then now degrees of judgment according to the works that you've done. I want to go back there and I want to take another look at uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus, our Master, our Savior is speaking here. Verse 28, he says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Because Jesus is our good shepherd, guys. He he feels a duty to warn us if we're walking toward a cliff. Now, Jesus, Pastor Mamie, and, and Scripture says, Jesus is love. He was the exact, rep- Chris even made it during worship. Jesus is the exact represent of God. Now, these warnings, the thing, were they hateful? Were these, were these hateful? Is it contrary to the gospel, that what Jesus said? Huh? No. You know why? Because true love Warn somebody when there is danger. True love will speak out. You're going in the wrong direction, brother. I, I need to, I pray that your eyes be open. This is, we want this to be so heavy on you that you understand. There is terrible, terrible results for people who just deny the Christ. And sometimes, somewhere, someplace, your words will make a difference in somebody's life, and they'll change. And again, this is not, this is not a popular topic 
it's mm. not one that w right. we really want to hear, but the truth is when you think and consider what the cross means, why Jesus came, it makes John 3.16, that's a scripture we love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever would believe in him would not, what? Perish. Yes. But find everlasting life. And Jesus told his original disciples when in Mark 16, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news. Go preach the gospel. And we like that. That's what yes. we're doing this morning. Come on. We're preaching the gospel. And we rejoice in the truth of the gospel that says there's forgiveness of sin. There's new life that we're given. Amen. There's everlasting life, eternal life. But the other side of that is there's a consequence that doesn't work and actually happen for yes. everybody unless we believe. Because in Mark 16, 16, this is up on PowerPoint. Yeah, look at this. One verse right after, he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He says here, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. This is Jesus talking. But anyone who refuses to believe will be what? Condemned. That's scary thought. So condemned here means, in the Greek, guilty of punishment. Wow. And eternal judgment is, is actually an elementary teaching of the church. Did you know that? Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. We'll start in verse 1. It says, therefore, leaving the elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection. That word means maturity. This is verse 2 that's up on the screen, so we're just, you're reading one. I'm reading one. Okay. I, I, yeah. You know, it's whenever you open the Bible and you say, let's go to this verse, and then you read what's above it, you want more of it, it's like you're feasting, you know, and that's what we love to do is feast on the Word of God. Verse 1, therefore, leaving the elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead. And what does it say? Eternal judgment. And see, this is the eternal judgment that Jesus spoke about in, in the 16th chapter of Mark. Eternal, what does it mean? Forever. It means constant and forever. <laughs> the Bible really refers to a final judgment that God will declare on unbelievers. And it's found in Revelation 20. Those who die in their sin, really, those who die in their sin, and at the end of the millennial reign of Christ, where we will rule and reign with him if we persevere and to the end, there's going to be a, a great, they call it a great white throne judgment. Great white throne judgment. And uh, on that, you and I, if you're a Christian, you won't be there. Christians have already been judged, so to speak, at the bema seat of Christ. That judgment for born-again believers is not whether you're going to heaven or hell. That judgment there at the bema seat of Christ is for rewards. Everybody say rewards. rewards. <laughs> Sounds really good. But also in there, there's also going to be a loss of rewards. Okay? So this is why it's so important for us to know the word. It's why it's so, so vital that you and I Understand the leading of the Holy Spirit because you and I are going to be witnesses for other people. That second, that judgment, that white seat, uh, white throne judgment seat is for unbelievers and the wicked. And it says that books were open and then the book of life was open. 
And anybody whose name was not found in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. See, when you pass, when people pass that are not born again, they go to Hades, where Jesus talked about torment, that the rich man was tormented in his... He's going to come and stand then at the white, great white throne judgment because death and hell are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. It's, it, <laughs> and it's, it's for all eternity, guys. No relief, never getting out. Torment. That is called the second death. And that will be the judgment when the books are open for that final determination by Jesus himself of how much they're tormented so for all eternity. And for the believer and the unbeliever, God the Father has entrusted all judgment to Jesus. Yes. Judgment concerning eternal life or eternal death. If you would turn to John 5, this is not off on PowerPoint, but it's a good one for you to see in yes. your Bible, John 5. And to know it. 22. John 5, 22. It says, even the Father judges no one. Here you go. For he has given all judgment, the last judgment, entirely into the hands of his son. And I think this is important for us to understand. Uh, now we have Revelation. This is Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. Yeah, if and you can move quickly in your Bible. It'll be up on PowerPoint. But this is the Apostle John talking about the very thing when he saw Jesus, when he had a revelation of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. When he saw him, it said, I fell at his feet as if dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said this, do not be afraid, this is Jesus, I am the first and the last. I died, but see, I am alive forevermore. Yes. And I possess the keys of death and Hades. So see, he overcame eternal death for you and me because our sin penalty would have sent us to hell Correct. for all eternity. And so if you want to escape hell, if a person says, I don't want to go there to the lake of fire, well, then Jesus is your answer. The only answer. <laughs> we have to get to know him. We, gotta we get have to, to understand what he judges as good and right. Come on. Or sinful and wrong. Yes. We have to get to know what's important to the one who holds the keys. <laughs> to heaven or hell. Yes. But did you want to know him? Yes. <laughs> so today, like if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Yes. It's important that we open up our heart and understand. Let's, let's go to Acts. Quickly go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Paul is preaching as, you know, he was the great evangelist at the time. He went around the, all the known world and made three missionary journeys. And he was uh, bold in his faith, very uh, anointed to God. And this is what we are yielding our hearts to, the same spirit that led him into the world to be a witness for Christ. We have to be aware and take our place as a witness for Christ too. In Acts chapter 13, it says this. Uh, let's go to 38 and 39. Brothers, listen. We're here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness of your sins. Everyone who believes in him is declared right with God, something the law of Moses could never do. If you keep going in that it says that the whole city, next, almost the whole city came back to hear the next Sabbath day what Paul was going to preach. And believe it or not, I have right next to that very verse, I've written in my Bible, Butler. 
I wrote that many, many years ago. <laughs> but here's what happened. The Jews, they got very jealous of the crowd that Paul was gathering. And people were getting born again. And they actually, these Jews actually started to blaspheme God. And in verse 46 is Paul's answer to them. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. Did you notice what the apostles said right there? They openly stated, these people openly rejected God. They started to blaspheme God. But the gospel says they judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. Your words will actually pass sentence on, your, on yourself. Jesus says your unproductive words... Your words will judge you. So our words will be part of the judgment against us. You know, in Matthew, yeah, it's, that's Matthew 12, 36 and 37, just for your notes. Your own words will pass judgment on you. So when a person rejects the gospel, you're judging like a statement yourself. You're the one You've made a choice, and God will honor mm -hmm. our choices. And this really squares perfectly with that Mark 16, 16, where it said anyone yes. who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Yep. And so if we, a person repents of their sin, believes in Jesus, because it's not just a prayer. Sometimes we think, well, I said a prayer. Right, come on. We hear testimonies of that. Somebody said a prayer 15 years ago, but nothing else has really changed about their life. The prayer itself just isn't some magical thing. <laughs> when we're praying, we're praying from our heart, turning from our sins. Yes. Desiring to trust Jesus with our life. Learning of his, him. Yeah, learning of him, his ways to love him. To love him, he says, is to obey him. Yes. And when it, we do this, salvation is a gift, but the promise is you're going to spend all eternity with the God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, along with all the other saints <laughs> throughout the ages. Ah, it's going to be incredible. And so while Scripture, of course, we're going through Scripture, is, our, is the foundation for our life and for our practices and our belief in our life, we can also learn some things from experiences the people have had, um, as long as they line up with Scripture. Uh, you know, there. we don't run after Boom. hearing an experience and go, oh, that must be real just because you say you had an experience. But all experiences should be compared to the truth in Scripture in light of God's Word. And we want to share a couple of uh, segments of a story with you about a man, Kenneth Hagin. Some of you may know who he is. He's already passed on to be with the Lord, but he was a man whom God used mightily uh, in yes. ministry. I, I think, imagine he was in ministry about 60 years. This guy's a prophet. In healing, miracles, uh, he taught a, an abundance on faith and trusting in the Word of God as the foundation of your life. Being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Holy Spirit. But his story is, I think he was born somewhere back in the, like the late 20s. 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Late, late, late 20s, 20s or yeah. so. But he was born yeah. prematurely. He only weighed two and a half pounds. And when he was delivered in the home, the doctor just said he's dead because he wasn't breathing. Uh, but... Lo and behold, his grandma, as she was wrapping him up to take him out to a burial spot in the yard, noticed a little sign of life in him. And so he lived. And, but he was a sickly child. He had a seriously deformed heart mm -hmm. and a blood condition. So he could never run and play like other kids. You know, he was always getting short of breath. He said, I'd turn blue and kind of feel like I'm suffocating and fall over. And so um, eventually... 
it all caught up to him. By the age of 16, he was basically bedfast, and they had given him up to die. Yeah. And one day at age 16, as his testimony says, his heart stopped, and he did have, he died. I mean, well, let's, we could call it a near-death experience, but we want to read yes. uh, his testimony of what happened to him at age 16 when his heart stopped. This is a book uh, he wrote. It's called I Believe in Visions. Uh, Pastor Ben, Pastor Mamie, and I went to this man's school, and he, he personally taught us in certain classes. Uh, this, is, this is his testimony at that point. At 16, his heart, his heart stopped. I wish I had adequate words to describe the horrors of hell. People go through this life so complacently, so unconcerned, as if they'll not have to face hell. But God's word and my own personal experience tells me different. I know what it is to be unconscious. It's black when you're unconscious. But there's no blackness to compare with the outer darkness. As I began to descend into the darkness this third time, my spirit cried out, God, I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. I waited to hear an answer from him, but no answer came. Only the echo of my own voice as it came back to mock me. It'll take more than church membership. It'll take more than being water baptized to miss hell and make heaven, Jesus said. Unless you be born again, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. Certainly, I believe in water baptism. I believe only after a person is born again. Certainly, I believe in joining the church, but only after a person is born again. If you merely join a church and baptize in water without being born again, you will go to hell. The second time, I cried a little louder. God, I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. Again, I waited for an answer. But there was no answer, only the echo of my own voice through the darkness. It would have frightened the congregation out of their wits if I ever imitated the way I screamed the third time. Although if I could scare them out of hell and into heaven, I'd do it. I literally screamed, God! God, I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. And all I heard was the echo of my own voice. I came again to the bottom of the pit, and again I could feel the heat as it beat on my face. Again I approached the entrance, the gates of hell itself. That creature took me by the arm, and I intended to put up a fight if I could to keep from going in. I only managed to slow down my descent just a little. But he took me by the arm. Thank God that voice spoke. I didn't know who it was. I didn't see anybody. I just heard a voice. I didn't know what he said, but whatever he said, that place shook. It just trembled. And that creature took his hand off my arm. It's just like if I had a suction on my back parts. It pulled me back away from the entrance of hell until I stood in the shadows. Then it pulled me up head first as I was going through the darkness. I began to pray. My spirit, the man who lives on the inside of this physical body, the eternal being, my spirit man, began to pray. Oh God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all sin. <laughs> I came up beside the bed. When I got inside my body... My physical voice picked up and continued my prayer right in the middle of a sentence. I was already praying out of my spirit. I'm going to read one more, one more bit of a story. This was another spiritual experience he had a few years later. Let me get to the page here. He, had, he was having a a kind of tent meeting like they have back in the 50s. And he yeah. said it was a rainy night. I mean, some of the story of it I'm going to read, I just want to preface the setting. He said it was just muddy rain. There were only maybe 40 people at the meeting. And uh, he called everybody up at some point to just kneel at the altar and pray. And he said, I knelt down 
beside a wooden chair and he said, I no more expected anything to happen. He said, like he said, it was a small group of people, mm -hmm. had nothing like this on my mind. And he said, all of a sudden, I, when I closed my eyes, I heard, come up hither. And then I looked and saw Jesus standing about where the top of the tent would be. As I looked up again, the tent had disappeared, the folding chairs had disappeared, every tent pole disappeared, the pulpit had disappeared, and God permitted me to see into the spirit realm. Jesus was standing there, and I stood in his presence. He was holding a crown in his hands. This crown was so extraordinarily beautiful, the human language cannot begin to describe it. Jesus told me, this is a soul winner's crown. My people are so careless and indifferent. This crown is for every one of my children. I speak and say, go speak to this one or pray for that one, but my people are too busy. They put it off, and souls are lost because they will not obey me. When Jesus said that, I wept before him. I knelt down and repented of my failures. Then Jesus said to me again, come up hither. And it seemed as if I went with him through the air until we came to a beautiful city. We did not actually go into the city, but we beheld it at close range, as one might go up on a mountain and look down on a city in the valley. It was beauty beyond words. And Jesus said, people selfishly say they're ready for heaven. They talk about mansions and glory, the glories of heaven, while many around them live in darkness and hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I should share my hope with them and invite them to come to heaven with me. Then Jesus turned to me and said, now let's go down to hell. This is an amazing experience. We came back down out of heaven we got to the earth, but we didn't stop. We kept going. Numerous scriptures in the Bible refer to hell as being beneath us. Mm -hmm. For example, in Isaiah 14, it says, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. Thou shalt be brought down to hell. Yep. Therefore, hell has enlarged herself, and he shall descend into it. We went down to hell, and as we went into that place, I saw what appeared to be human beings wrapped in flames. And I said, Lord, this looks like what it did when I died and came to this place on April 22nd, 1933. You spoke and I came back out of here. And I then repented and prayed, seeking your forgiveness, and you saved me. Only now I feel so different. I'm neither afraid nor horrified as I was then. Jesus told me, warn men and women about this place. And I cried out with tears that I would. And then I found myself brought back to earth, and I became aware that I was kneeling on the platform by the folding chair. Jesus disappeared, and I realized I was still kneeling on the platform, and I could hear people praying all around me. And so, you know, again, experiences like this, sometimes people discount them. But when they line up with the Bible, uh, I think God gives these to us as a gift Amen. so that we can be aware. So somebody can come back and say, just like the story of Lazarus, go back and tell my brother so you don't have to come here. Because hell is real. And we have people that we know that are on their way there. Yes. We cannot feel so secure like what Jesus told him. Well, I have a place. I know the good shepherd, but many don't. And it breaks the heart of God yes. to see the loss. It's like that picture, our title slide, those sheep heading for a cliff and going over. And so who, who will you invite to church? Who will you share your testimony with? Because the warning that Jesus gave Brother Hagen is the same warning to us. Yes. Tell people. Tell people about me. This is a quote. We'll end with this when Charles Spurgeon said this about hell. He said, think lightly of hell and you will think lightly of the cross. That's right. Think little of the suffering of lost souls and you will soon think little. Let's leave that up there. Of this little of the Savior who delivers them.
think lightly of hell and you'll think lightly of the cross. And it's true. Yes. Because if we appreciate what Jesus did for us on the cross, we know what it's redeemed us from. And think little of the suffering of souls, lost souls, and you'll soon think little of the Savior who delivers them. So let's be people who pray and ask the Holy Spirit this season of Easter that's coming upon us. Yes. Where the church celebrates resurrection life. It's the whole gospel story. You know, we have the best news in the world. And we all know people who need to hear it. We know people who are headed for the cliff. We, we know people who are going to drive right over that bridge that's out. We need to give them a loving warning. Who, who are you going to share your faith with this time? Who's the one person that you've been praying for? The Holy Spirit is this the Holy Spirit brings a person to your mind because they're closest to being ready. Amen. Who is that person? Hell is real. Who's that one person that you've been praying for? That you're willing to share your testimony with? That you're willing to invite to the church? True love warns people when we see them headed for destruction. Maybe you're here today listening to this maybe you're listening online and you're realizing that you're one of these people that are heading for hell you're ready to go over the cliff the bible declares today is the day of salvation today is the day of salvation what will you do with the message that jesus gives jesus came to seek and save the lost from eternal death and as pastors, we have a duty to warn. We plead, we really plead with you to be saved. This is all real. This is an opportunity today. Today is the day of salvation. We're pleading with you. You cannot merit heaven by your good works. You cannot judge yourself good because the judge is Jesus Christ and he has what's required written in this book and no man can fulfill it because God's standard is so high there's not a person that ever walked this earth that can fulfill it except Jesus Christ he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world he is our loving Savior what are you going to do with this? What will you do with this? Unless, Jesus said, unless you are born again, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. And we know these people. We know them. This life right now is the closest some people will get to heaven. That's a shame. But good news for Christians is this life, this is the closest we'll get to hell. You need to keep praying for these. You need to be a laborer in the harvest. Salvation, salvation is a gift. It's given to you and me and all the world through Jesus Christ. It's a gift for everybody. Heaven is exclusive, but it's He's calling for everybody to come. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Hell was made for the devil and his angels, not for man. And we found out today that people choose to go there simply because they deny Christ. But if you and I yield our hearts to the Spirit of God, He's going to reveal to us who the words of our mouth are going to penetrate and move closer to salvation. Who are you praying for? So 
Who are you praying for? Jesus says this. In order to be saved, you have to believe what he did. You have to, you know, believing, you have to speak. You believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth. Jesus said, you need to confess me as Lord and Savior. You have to believe what he did. He went to that cross. He died. He shed his blood. Three days he went and paid the penalty for your sin, your sin, my sin. The sin of the world. This is the Son of God. He's, only he can do it. That third day he rose again from the dead. Glory to God. The Bible declares he rose again from the dead when you were justified. But in order to partake of any of that forgiveness, you have to repent of your sins and walk with Jesus. It isn't just a prayer. It's a heart change. It's you and giving yourself to Christ Jesus. And His Spirit is here now. His Spirit is everywhere you go. It's not just words. It's a heart issue. So if anybody here is ready to give their heart, their life to Jesus Christ, I'm asking you to raise your hand so we can see it. And we'll pray a prayer. I see that hand. Praise God. Be bold here. You know what? If you go to hell, you're going to be raising two hands and your legs. You're going to be saying, get me out of here. I want everybody to bow their head. You at home, I want you to bow your head too. And I want you to pray this prayer. If you give your life to Jesus, Jesus is coming to you right now. Yeah, and especially, and especially. Especially you. I want you to repeat this. Everybody. Father God. Father God. I come to you in Jesus' name. I come to you in Jesus' name. And I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. I want to follow all you. the days of my life. All the days of my life. The best I know. The best I know. I want to learn of you and know you. I want to learn of you and know you. I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you. I want you to write my name. I want you to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh yes! Hallelujah! Hallelujah.